Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and joining me is a man who has given up coffee for two whole days, Zach Mabry. Zach, you've given up the fake energy. You're on natural energy. How does it feel The people want to know? I think they're kind of worried about you. People seem pretty worried, and quite a few people have reminded me that it's not Lent, mm-hmm. um, and I believe them. Sure. I do know it's not Lent, um, but it, it's nice so far, actually. I think, um, I don't know, I think a lot of caffeine can start to really just make you like, you know, I don't know, it's like too much energy. And so I thought, well, why not just get get off of the caffeine, ditch the coffee, say goodbye to the lattes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just try au natural. Okay. And it's been pretty good, you know? Uh, a little bit of a headache today. Um, um, yesterday it was like, uh, how do I work? But, um, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm assuming that tomorrow will be even better. Sure. So it's, it's good. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be great. And I'll probably, save, I'll probably save a fortune. I was spending, I don't know, $58 on lattes every day. Something like that. Something, yeah, if you round it, yeah. Tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C, Mabry. Email us, podcast at romancircusblog.com. Find us on iTunes. Rate and review us if you want. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. All right. And SoundCloud? Oh, yeah, sort of. Okay, sort of SoundCloud. Sort of, but whatever. But whatever. You've got the opening credits like so down. It's it's great. Thanks. I got to I got to do something. I got to be known for if it's not for intelligence, I'll be known for reading off a word document. When you're kind of known as our Twitter because you had a birthday this week. I did. And a lot of people uh, one person tweeted the podcast Twitter and to say happy birthday. And I was like, yeah, that, that's pretty representative. I, I don't do a lot of tweeting from the podcast Twitter. No, that's fine. I, I, uh, thank all kind words, regardless of where they come from. Stay tuned later when our big guest Kanye West joins us to talk about all the, the hits from the eighties, nineties and today. Can you believe Kanye right now? I yeah, I, I mean I can. What, what what do you not believe about it? I mean, last I've seen, he's going around saying slavery is a choice or was a choice. Was it is or was? Uh, I think. Well, I think technically he's saying both. His uh. his. I think his thought was. Yeah, man, but why didn't you just, like, band together and take over the slave masters? Which is, you know, in theory, a decent idea if you forget about how they basically uh, mushed their brains into thinking that they were just complete lessers and just totally took away any self-confidence they had. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's it, yeah, I guess if you want to say that in theory, but right, you have to look at the situation that actually occurred and just the brutal system right. that was set up in, in the Americas for slavery. I mean, it, it's horrific. And that's where, um, you know, I mean, and also it was, I mean, it was 
somewhat unheard of how brutal it was. Sure. And so, uh, you know, that's where you had popes intervening to shut down the transatlantic slave trade mm-hmm. and trying. And it, you know, finally took basically, you know, a war in this country. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we got rid of it because that was actually what what Abraham Lincoln said about the Civil War was that it was a punishment for both the North and the South for allowing slavery to exist. Huh. Which okay. is an interesting way to think about the Civil War. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a little, uh, I, well, I don't know. I'm confused about the Kanye thing because, I mean, obviously he's got a record about to drop and he's like the only thing anybody's talking about including on the Roman Circus podcast. Yep. And so, um, I mean, I don't know. I just wouldn't be, if, if people are thinking he's on their side, I, I wouldn't be celebrating too hard on that. But also, I don't know. I mean, Kanye is Kanye. So I just like how on Twitter he would, he's like, he would tweet something that, he thought was a good idea, but then he would just tweet pictures of rocks. And then the next picture would be those rocks in a different formation. And then he tweeted a picture of a whiteboard. He's like, Candace Owens just wrote this in our offices. And it was just like four words with lines that were drawn incomplete down the board. It was all, it was all good stuff. I'm here. I'm here for that. Zach, as the kids say. Yeah. It's like, he's trying to unseat drill. Yeah, well, no, no one, no one will ever. Drill is always on our minds and on our hearts. Right, Drill's place in the world is safe. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's, uh, what is it? What do you call it when someone like America's sweetheart? No, uh, a national treasure. That's the one. What's the Nick Cage yeah. movie? Nick, national treasure. Was Nick Cage in a movie called America's Sweetheart? Not that I know of. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, but so that's pretty much dominated the news, as it were. Yeah, that's the only thing I've seen, but I haven't really, I haven't, I, I get the, I'm, I'm a subscriber to the Failing New York Times, but I mm-hmm. haven't been reading it, mm-hmm. and I haven't even been on Drudge, and so I really don't know what's going on in the world. Uh, I mean, Actually, no, I saw that picture of North and South Korea holding hands. Oh, yeah, no, that was great. Yeah, that was, that was cute. That, that was, was totally, talk I'm about, sure that had nothing to do with being staged, but whatever. I was going to say, talk about another thing that I don't completely buy into. World peace, I'm all on board with that, but, you know. Some, right. Something where they, the master of the gulags... Shakes hands and smiles a whole bunch and then holds hands. I don't know. Whatever. And he's so fat now. Mm-hmm. P-H-A-T. It's like all he does is eat. Yeah. Someone has to eat that food. He definitely, he doesn't give it to his citizens, but hey, whatever. That's true. Um, <laughs> well, so then that's going on in the world. Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's really anything else. Um we did pass the feast day of St. Joseph, the worker, who I'm a big fan of. Right. Hopefully that's not Saint of the Week, and I blew it. Um, I, oh, I've but, been forgetting Saint of the Week, but, you know, we'll we'll do it. Well, at least you still remember the opening credits. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, cool. Uh, did we have a topic this week? Zach, 
We do have a talk topic, but we'll get to it right after a word from our sponsors. Just kidding. We don't have any sponsors. No, our sponsors are all of the uh, the dietary supplements sold by Alex Jones, remember? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> do your pitch. I can't do it. I'm not... I'm not geared up to do my Alex Jones is selling iodine to you thing. That'll have to come. No, yeah, well. We'll have to put that onto another podcast. Fair, fair. Let's talk about angels, Zach. That's what we're going to talk about today. Angels, like when I die, I become an angel? It's exactly like that, except the opposite. Um, okay. Well, I, when angels... No. When angels die, they become you. No, we're going to... Angels are great. We love them. We, uh... Maybe maybe we don't know as much as we should about them. Maybe you do. But, hey, let's, uh... What, let's start off... Talk, what do you want to start off with about angels? Um... Fun facts. Well, we could start with, like... This really yeah, could have I been mean, taken where, care where of they... before we started recording, but we didn't. Right, you know. Well, we could start with where they where they come from, because, you know, they're, they are just sort of there in Scripture. And people sometimes don't know, you know, where exactly they originated. Okay. And so a good point there is, you know, in Genesis where it says, um, God said, let there be light, and then God separated the light from the darkness. Right. So that's what Augustine sort of views, because that's before there's the sun or anything. Mm -hmm. So what Augustine says is that the light that he created was all of the angels, and that's all of them. Right. Um, All the angels that there will ever be. Right. All of them were created, and then that's, you know, the angel angel press was retired. (laughs) Um, Well, busted. So then, when it then says that uh, separated light from the darkness, that is understood to be the fall of the bad angels or the demons. Okay. So do you want to talk some about, about what happened with the angels and how some of them became bad angels, a.k.a. demons? So when the angels were created for specific purposes, right? They weren't just created to just have sitting there doing nothing that they might like they they were all given their task at their creation and they had a moment to decide basically you know whether they would say yes to god or that they would deny him so the ones who said yes became the angels and the ones that said no became the demons they were cast out so you would probably be wondering why would any of the angels be dumb enough to say no? Is that what you're thinking right about now? I am. Well, I agree, but it... So it would be... From what I understand is... It's that... You know, they just... it would It's disobedience, but it's like they... They don't want to... So, like, they wouldn't want to... Why would they want to take care of a human, for instance, right? They are they are, they are, a higher being, so, you know, they perceive themselves as a higher being, so it would actually 
be an insult to be Matt Baker's guardian angel, right? Mm-hmm. So in that moment, they they're like, "I do not accept." Gone. Down, down. Right. Down One idea is that they they rejected our Lord. They rejected Christ under different aspects, and so right. you know some of the angels rejected him because of his mercy. Okay. Or, you know, uh, Lucifer became Satan, rejected him because of his mother. Right. Um, is what St. Louis de Montfort teaches. And so, yeah, there was this, you know, initial instance when they were, it was revealed to them what their mission was, and then they, they chose to accept it or reject it. And so, and then, boom, they were either um, given the beatific vision, which we all will receive in heaven if we make it, Mm-hmm. Or they were cast down, uh, you know, they were thrown out. And it was permanent. You know, there's no chance of redemption. Um, and that may seem harsh, but the thing about angels is that they don't have, they're not composite beings like uh, we are, like humans. We have body and soul. The angels just have, they're purely spiritual. They have an intellect and a will. Right. And so because of that, when they were created, they were created with infused natural knowledge of everything. They, they, so, knew, they knew perfectly everything they needed to know about their task. Right. So the difference, you know, why humans get all of these chances, and we can, you know, we, we can mess up and repent, we mm-hmm. can go back, is basically because we're stupid. And the angels and the demons were not stupid. They were perfectly smart. And so, once they made their decision, it was binding for all eternity. Mm-hmm. They also knew... That means that they had to know what they were giving up, right? So that's... they. Uh, we'll reference... I think say, to an extent, yeah. So my guardian angel, say the angel gets given that task and he rejects it. He rejects it because he kind of knows what it involves and... Or he or she, you know, whatever. He, what do we call angels? Right. He's, them's. I mean, it, you could say it's. he. So, theologically, because of the way that angels are sort of the potency, mm-hmm. it's more correct to refer to them in masculine terms or to depict them in masculine ways. Right. Um, but you know, it, it that's they don't they don't have a gender. So right. Um, you know, that's more metaphorically correct to depict them in masculine the masculine sense out, but you can just say they out here father he, friar from the wonderful saint victor's soon to be saint vitus church says that he thinks angels are upset at us because we always depict them as fat babies so <laughs> that's kind of funny yeah just something to keep um, in mind yeah well yeah we'll show them as skinny babies put some spanks <laughs> on those angels um <laughs> The at one point you were talking about too, which we can clarify. So you're talking about guardian angels, which we may talk more about. But the idea is that yeah, so your guardian angel's mission is to be your guardian angel, and that was revealed to them as their task, mm-hmm. and they chose to do it, and that's what granted them eternity with the with God with the beatific vision. So you know you should feel pretty confident in your guardian angel because they chose you, and they had a choice. Right. So they love you. Uh, They've loved you since the beginning of all time. Sure. 
So, and so they, they're also watching you right now. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's kind of how they're okay. So they were created and they were given basically an instant to decide they were given their task and they had to decide right then and there. There was no like three day waiting period. No. Well, they also don't have bodies. So there's not then and there. Right. So these are all kind of, yeah. I mean, it was like first instance, second instance, third instance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they were, the angels stayed, some angels went and become demons. And now we are off to the next the next stage of angelry. Yeah. So it might be good, you know, that part's understandable, but like what is an angel? Mm-hmm. So um a phrase that was used that I thought was interesting because you can sit and kind of think about it and kind of digest this is that angels and space, like you know, taking up space, whatever, have nothing in common. Huh. So it's not that they're super small or super big or they're up and up or down. Like they, they are not, they do not occupy space. And so your guardian angel that's with you isn't, they're not like in your room, you know, over in the corner, right? you know, physically, and you can go see them or something. Um, what they are, so they move and then, okay, angels in space have nothing in common. And then you can say that they move at the speed of thought. Okay. And so the way that an angel is with you is that, you know, your guardian angel with its intellect thinks of you and that makes it instantly with you because that's how it moves. Okay. So if an angel wanted to go to Niagara Falls, the angel would would with its intellect think of Niagara Falls and it would move to Niagara it would be instantly at Niagara Falls. Okay. Now So your guardian angel that's how your guardian angel's with you is that your guardian angel with its perfect intellect is always thinking of you. Now what about the idea that Saint Padre Pio saw his guardian angel his entire life? Have you heard that? I have heard that. And that is possible through basically some type of miracle. Okay. That the, you know, the, the intellect and the will of his guardian angel was, you know, granted to him in, appari- in an apparition. Uh-huh. Um, there's plenty of times that people have seen angels. Right. Um, and essentially it's like an apparition. Okay. But it, yeah, it's tricky there. You kind of have to think through that one. Right. They don't, he, it wasn't like he was, he saw. He just saw a human person wa- walking around. It, it. I don't. It, to be honest, I haven't really read about it much, so I don't know if it would have been described as like a ball of light or just an energy. Yeah, it would be interesting know? to. It'd be interesting to read his description mm-hmm. and find out, you know, what that looks like. Um. So they it. So they do, in some sense, move between the immaterial and the material. Maybe not necessarily them themselves, but the worlds they occupy. Right. Well, they can act on matter, mm-hmm. especially if God allows them to. Mm, right. So, um, the God allowing part. Should we talk about that when, in uh, regards to demons, or should we wait to talk about that? 
Um, I think that's an interesting point. We can go ahead and roll with that. So the crazy thing to remember is that nothing happens uh, outside of the purview of God, right? So God is everywhere. That means that God holds hell in existence. Now, God isn't what we would say in hell as much as him just holding it in existence, and he does that through his passive will. He has his active will where he makes things happen, like the creation of the universe is his active will, and his passive will is where he allows things to happen. So which which is like he allows us... He, me doing this podcast with you, who, who can say it might be more of his passive will than his active will, correct? Right. I mean, it's obviously he hasn't prevented us from doing it except for in the month of April. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but so that, so, yeah, so that place, right, that you would say that has obviously passed the, it, it's been, you know, allowed through his passive will, at least because I, if, if it wasn't, then it wouldn't have happened. Because obviously he perfectly accomplishes, God perfectly accomplishes everything that he seeks to accomplish. Right. So when it comes to demons, so angels to angels act upon basically God's active will when they are given the assignment. So then the demons, when you talk about when you talk about good old demonry, when you talk about possession or just demon antics, right? They that is still done with under God's passive will. So he allows for that to happen, which sounds crazy. Which you would right. wonder why it would happen. So the reason that demons are around, it's for the sal- it's basically to overcome them for our salvation. That's that's why they that's why they're there. Well, first of all, they're there because if he he God when God creates, he doesn't uncreate. So if they there has to be a place there had to be a place to put all the disobedient angels. Right, so that that's why they're still around, and then second, yeah, for the act of <laughs> essentially overcoming them and humiliating them. Right. Well, and it's like the the demons they you know they want to they they know that like you could go to heaven, and right. they can't. They're you know they're done, and so they want to prevent that from happening. Um. And so, you know, they're always trying to, you know, in some way or another, hinder that. And mm-hmm. essentially, with God's permissive will, they're allowed to work to do their do their stuff. But it's actually always in a way that could lead to something better and could lead to your, So, like, every possession, every oppression, every obsession, you know, all of the different levels of diabolical influence actually are allowed because from them something better can come and somebody can have salvation, you know, because maybe they, they finally seek out an exorcist, you know, they've been away from the church or, um, you know, they amend their life or it causes people to start believing in the supernatural and they, you know, find God that way. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different things. And so, but it's, you know, and that's kind of humiliating, right? Because that's their only goal is to, and what they're always trying to do is to basically drag souls into hell, but when they're 
permitted to act on humans, it's actually always for the greater good. It, it always actually leads or points towards salvation. Right. They're, so know, they're, I mean, man can still mess it up, but... And they, they're permitted. They, they know that they are still under, essentially, you know, the... The will of God, so they're, they're they're starting off in a hole to begin with, and then if they can't accomplish their their new task of trying to get you, that it's just a humiliation. So it's yeah, it's 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 actually kind of cool once you stop and think about it that every every demonic possession, while scary and crazy is a chance to overcome and humiliate a demon. So it's, you know, I wouldn't obviously wish that on anyone, but any chance that a demon tries to poke you is a chance to LOL at the demon. Right. So, yeah, so, you know, angels, bad angels slash demons are, are always within God's will in some way or another, either active or passive or mm -hmm. permissive. Um, so that's kind of neat. The other thing, so because angels are just an intellect and a will and not, um, uh, not composite beings like humans or even, I mean, really everything with matter has a form. Mm -hmm. So everything with matter is a composite being. I mean, you know, animals, plants, et cetera. Right. So, um, they, the angels don't have that, and because of that, they actually can't technically be um, the same species as each other because right. they don't share. They don't have accidents. So they don't share in accidents. Accidents being like qualities, not like uh, you know, oops. Mm -hmm. So because of that, every every individual angel is its own species. Right now, which is does that... interesting, and people are probably thinking. Well, what about seraphim and cherubim and all of these things? And that's where the distinction is important, is that while every individual angel is its own species, what they're organized into are called choirs, and there are different choirs of angels. Right. Now, before before we get that, I have a question. I, is it, they're different, so they're different species because of how they were created, but is it because their tasks are all different so you know you know what an object is by what it was created to do so um does that that's a good point i hadn't thought of that does it have anything so you know like i we're we're humans we were created to know and love god a rock was created to be a rock right so it's just different it's Cats were created to cat. Dogs were created to dog. I don't know if I'm oversimplifying. No, things, I think but... that's a good. No, I think that's a good point. I hadn't ever thought of that. Um, so if in technically, I was thinking. I was going to say sorry. Technically, since the angels are immaterial, they and they each have their own task, and they don't have each other's tasks. I guess they they can't really. They wouldn't cross from that point of view. Right. So, like, I'm looking in a great book that people should get, which is the Dictionary of Scholastic Philosophy by Bernard uh, Wollner, uh, SJ. Don't let that deter you. <laughs> um, and 
basically that you know species is is a, a likeness in accidents or appearances i, I mean a, on kind of a level so i mean i think that that's a good point though that like they do have different purposes and that's why they're different species and then also because they don't uh they don't have material bodies mm. they can't be you know like in that sense right okay so in regards to the the night the choirs of angels you know more a little you know more about that than i do so why don't you kick us off well so like all creation there is a hierarchy mm-hmm. um and there are nine of them but they're actually grouped into um three spheres uh, Spheres, yeah. So it's like there's three spheres, and then there's um, within each sphere there's three choirs. Mm-hmm. And so um, we can start with the lowest, which is just called angels. <laughs> yeah. And so, like any sort of hierarchy, um, angels are going to be the largest because they're at the very bottom of the mm-hmm. pyramid. And those are who most of the guardian angels come from. So, like, your guardian angel is probably an angel. Mm-hmm. They're, um, so the, the term actually is triad. So they're part of the third triad and the ninth one. Um, their job is to interact and serve humanity closely, everyone within this realm. And so a definition you can get is angels are the closest to the material world and humanity. The lowest choir is where we get the majority of our personal guardian angels. Okay. So, your guardian angel's there. Now, because you didn't create your guardian angel and you don't have any authority over your guardian angel, um, you can't name it. Oh, and you that's a name great it. point, yeah. Right, and there's some, some kind of weird stuff said about that, but it's it's pretty solidly established that you cannot name your guardian angel. Right, because you to name something is to... Have a, have authority and have creation over right, it, so You exert authority. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you name your own children. You know, if you discover an island, you can name it. Um, you know, if you look at who gets to name something, that's an exercise of authority over that thing. And their their name would be tied into their uh, purpose, to their to their task, if they even have a name, right? So that's how it would be. It would it would be tied into that. So you, you don't want to, you don't want to mess about giving it a name that has a meaning that's not at all tied to what that angel is supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. So above the angels are the archangels. Right. Now, three of them are named in scripture. Those are your Michael, Gabriel, and uh, Raphael. Yeah. Raphael, Raphael, Raphael. Yeah. Um, So those are the leader angels assigned to communicate and carry out God's important plans for man. Mm -hmm. And so um, what I think it's commonly understood that St. Michael, the archangel, is is the Pope's guardian angel. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a pious tradition. Um, What I like about... The angel sort of... Sorry. Go ahead. What I like about this is how they are, they're on like the second the second from the bottom and i think it's cool that 
that uh, in order to laugh at, you know, in order to humiliate Satan, who is at the top of the demonry, top of the demon pyramid, God sent an angel from the, one of the lower rungs down uh, up to get him. Right. Yeah. Got him. Yeah, there's a lot of neat statuary uh, showing St. Michael just giving it, pounding, just obliterating Satan. Of course, he can't. Mm-hmm. Satan can't be destroyed, so you know he just had to take the beating and then go down to hell. But, you know, great statues. Everyone should get one. And so then... Um, oh, and just to rerun real quick, angels themselves are mentioned in Luke chapter 22 verse 43 matthew chapter 18 verse 10 and hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 okay archangels get called out in jude 9 first thessalonians four sixteen, and uh in tobit obviously that's where saint raphael is mentioned so then that brings us to the next highest set of angels choir of angels these are the principalities okay. so these are the highest angels in the lowest triad and so these are princes of the lowest triad assigned to care and guard communities, kingdoms, states, and parishes. So all They're of these associated with transitions in power. All of these three are basically meant to hover over human beings and protect them. Yes. Okay. Um, and so your parish has a principality assigned to it, um, kingdoms and states. And so that's important because sometimes people think that, um, that like, states, nations, and stuff, that those borders don't have, like, ontological reality or whatever, but God assigns a principality to govern, you know, each nation and states and whatnot. And so that's always important when issues come up about, like, borders and immigration and and the role of civil government because, um, you know, these things do exist. And because God wills us to be governed by other men, either in the... Um, in the civic, in the civil government, or the ecclesiastical, the um, ecclesiastical government, the church, mm-hmm. um, you know, the sort of structures and the bodies within a state or a nation have um, a principality assigned to them. Right. So, and if, if the leaders are, you know, are, are open to the graces being sent, they'll actually have graces and. And assistance to carry out their duties that are sort of separate from their state of grace. So even if, um, you know, a, a president isn't in the state of grace, there will be some divine assistance available to them um, beyond that of just an ordinary person. So that's obviously good to keep in mind. And so principalities get mentioned in Ephesians three ten and Ephesians one twenty one. Okay. We're we... so that's our third triad. Mm-hmm. So we'll move up to the second triad. So their job is to fulfill God's plan in the universe. Okay. Like what? Yeah. So the lowest of this triad, so this is, you know, fourth from the bottom, are powers. Okay. They get mentioned in Ephesians 3.10 and Ephesians 6.12. And their job is to assist in governing, governing the natural order. There are warrior angels tasked with fighting the war against the demonic choirs. Okay. So, so they're the ones with the with the spears, spears, and the uh, like, the helmets guarding the guarding the gates. Yes. Okay. 
And so above them are the virtues. One second. In Ephesians I, 121. I'm looking at powers, and one of the things I like that it says, it says they're the bearers of conscience and the keepers of history. So that's uh, kind of cool. That is cool. So above them are the virtues from Ephesians one twenty one, and uh, they run the operation of movement in the universe. They are often associated with planets, elements, seasons, and nature. Huh. So that's sort of interesting because in, there's some great artwork, and of course I'm forgetting the names of them, that, that sort of show you know, the virtues like... Um, you know, moving the planets around and, you know, whatnot. So you think that stuff just happens, but... But they're up there. You gotta thank the virtues. Okay, and then... So then above the... Or what? I was gonna say the next one. Yeah, so the next one are the dominions Mm -hmm. from Ephesians one twenty one and Colossians one sixteen. Um, so they lord over the lower choirs and humanity. They take illumination from the higher hierarchies and govern the universe. So they basically are the go-betweens between um, the first, the highest triad and the rest of the are angels. They, are they, they kinda, like middle management? Yeah, middle managers, the dominion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's the that's the full second triad, basically the ones charged with fulfilling God's plan in the universe. Now we get to the big the big boppers. Yes. Yeah, so the the highest triad, their job is to contemplate and go and adore God directly. Okay. Very important. So, the lowest choir within this top tier are the thrones who get mentioned in um, Ezekiel 10.17, Colossians 1.16, and Daniel 7.9 and were described as being flaming, rotating rings covered with eyes is how they're depicted in art. Right. Do they talk about it in Revelation, too? Oh, do they? I think so. I just had the, the ones. Okay. So their job is they represent the steadfastness of the love of God. They contemplate God's power and judgment, and they appear as the most unlike the others when revealed. Okay. So when you're able to see a throne, I guess they don't look anything like the other top-tier angels. That's exciting. And the last... So above them, there's two more, and these are the ones besides Angel and maybe Archangel that most people will have heard of, mm-hmm. and that's the Cherubim. So they're in the middle of the first triad. They're mentioned in Exodus 25, 18, and 21, Ezekiel 10, 14, and Revelation 4 through 6. And they're described as having four faces and four wings, two to cover their feet and two for flight. Wow. The name means the fullness of wisdom, and they contemplate God's providence assigned to protect special places. Okay. 
so that's kind of cool. Special places. One thing, uh, special places. Now, sorry, I'll let you just go before I go. Well, actually, no. So the one thing that I was going to say is not about the chair, but I was wrong. Go ahead. Okay. Well, so if they're to guard special places, does this mean I? I've heard that every time there's uh that the host is consecrated like if you have a, ma- uh, a private mass at home or something then angels will stay and guard that place. Do you know if this is these are the angels that do that? I've never heard that. Yeah, I've heard I heard it a few years ago. I forget if it was it might have been Father Ripiger. I forget, but that angels will stay and guard the place that the that uh, the host is consecrated. Wow. Yeah. Truly, I didn't know that. Okay. Um, so maybe I we'll have to find out. But if they if they guard places, that might that might be where these come from. But I don't. Know. Yeah, that's kind of cool. We we'll, we'll have to do like some follow up research and mm-hmm. we'll update everyone for sure. Right. Yeah. Um. So then. This first triad, contemplate and adore God directly. We've talked about thrones and cherubim. So then above the cherubim are the seraphim. Mm. They're mentioned in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Um, they have six wings, is how they're depicted. Um, two to cover their feet, two to cover their face, and two for flight. So their name means the burning ones, and they are attendants at the throne of God. They praise God, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So... Mm so much to say about that well kind of um first of all the in mass the sanctus when you hear the choir if it's a high mass and you hear the the choir singing that um that is what is being sung in heaven according to scripture by the seraphim mm-hmm. so that's such a sacred song and you know it's, it's literally like a glimpse of heaven when that's being sung so very cool um you can go on if you have any of the streaming music services like Apple Music or Spotify or whatever. You you can find choirs, really good choirs, singing the song to look for the mass for four voices or the mass for five voices and listen to the song to from those. And you're you're listening to what what the what the book of Revelation, or sorry, the book of the uh, um, uh, Apocalypse says the seraphim are singing to God. Right. So, and the other thing is, they say holy, holy, holy. Whenever anything is said three times, that means it is set. It is set in stone. And it is true. So. The other thing is that they shield their face. And so I want to point out something that's neat in the liturgy Mm -hmm. um, that a priest showed me, and I, I, I didn't quite, I hadn't noticed it until they did. So at a solemn high mass, so that's when you have your three, um, well, they don't have to be three priests necessarily, but you've got at least three, um, but you have the priest, the deacon, and the subdeacon. Right. And um, during the consecration, the subdeacon will wear the, the humeral veil, and, and he'll take the paten, and he'll cover his face with the veil and the paten. And he'll have his eyes covered for the throughout the consecration, oh. and he'll kneel there behind the priest. Right. You know. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And what that that what that is sort of a, you know, what that invokes in a sense is the 
seraphim shielding their face in the divine presence of God. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you know, mass is, is always a glimpse of heaven, and that's just one other, you know, little little Easter egg tucked into the liturgy is, is that neat point where the subdeacon covers his face. Um, I was once at an Easter liturgy, and it was in the post-55 Easter vigil, Mm-hmm. which is it's very clunky. Um, I mean, it, it's beautiful, and it, it doesn't lack, like, all decorum, like some <laughs> of the stuff that came afterwards, but it, it is a bit, um, I mean, it's just clunky. And the person who knew the most about it was, was a seminarian who was acting as subdeacon. And so after he starts shielding his face, it's just, you know, the, I mean, the priest said it faithfully, but it's like he he could have used some help from this very knowledgeable seminarian um, and unfortunately, because, well, not unfortunately, because it was beautiful, but, you know, because of how the liturgy works, the seminarian couldn't really see anything and was just there kneeling with his eyes covered. So, you know, kind of a neat yeah thing. There's other symbols sort of invoked by that whole part of the, the mass, but one of them is the seraphim shielding their eyes in the divine presence. It's all over. It's all over. It's all over the Mass. Yeah, so those are the choirs of angels, and that's a little bit about what the angels are. What what else? Do you have any fun angel facts? Well, one that we mentioned was that, you know, when, you know, the angels are in this hierarchy, the nine choirs, and when... Uh, when the bad angels fell, came the demons, they, when they were cast out, that left gaps in the hierarchy of grace. And so those gaps are for man to fill. Mm-hmm. And so those gaps are for us. And so, um, you know, Our Lady got Lucifer's spot, him being a seraphim, mm-hmm. and, uh, and her being the holiest human person created. Um, and but basically, you know, you'll, you'll get to your spot based on the amount of merit that you you have when you die, right? Right. We talked about that earlier. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, like any pyramid, the largest piece is the bottom. So most of the people who go to heaven will be, you know, hanging in the, the realm with the angels. Which but is then, still you know, fine. The greatest, um, yeah, more than fine. Right. Um, fine doesn't even... But right, it, it's great. And then the greatest saints, the people that have been chosen to, you know, really show forth the love of God on earth, uh, are, are up in the higher realms. And so... Wait, what did you say? Neat. You, you kind of cut out there. What did you say? Oh, sorry. The, the greatest saints, the ones who, you know, were called to, to most show forth the love of God, mm-hmm. you know, on earth, are, are occupying the higher spots with, with the higher tiers of the angels. And so... Um, and one person, you know, not a canonized saint, of course, um, but a saint, surely, because he was baptized and um, he died before the age of reason, unable to, you know, commit any personal sin, is uh, the newest, or, well, not the newest, but a new member of heaven, uh, Artie Evans, the child. Alfie? Um, Alfie, oh man, said his name wrong. So, you know, people can legitimately, they can pray to him, he's with the angels now. Um, he's in heaven. And so as sad as it is that he wasn't able to do more on earth, I think 
um, we can be comforted knowing that because he was baptized and, what, two years old, uh, he's certainly in heaven. So we don't get to say that every time someone dies. So it's, you know, it's a something that can comfort us in this case. Right. I went to a... I went to mass on a Saturday morning a few months ago and I walked into a mass requiem mass for the angels of the angels, which is a funeral mass for someone who, you know, was went straight to heaven. Right. Someone who was baptized and dies before the age of reason. Right. They wouldn't have a funeral. They'd have the angel mass. So I think, if I understand correctly, this man, he was old. He was 40 or 50, 60. He was older, quite older than Alfie, but he had, I think, Down syndrome. So he would, something that qualified him for this mass. And uh, it was, I mentioned Father Fryer earlier, but I think it might've been like one of the first times he was able to do that particular mass. And he's been a priest for, over a decade so it's it's not it's a not a, a normal thing that these masses get to be celebrated but it's very very cool when they do so yeah someone who was not capable of um of willing sin for mm-hmm. one reason or another right beautiful beautiful beautiful, beautiful. um yes beautiful best funerals biggest funeral anyway um <laughs> But, yeah, so with the angels, I think there's a lot of interesting points to make. Um, Obviously, I think it's good to incorporate them into uh, our devotional life. You know, pray to the angels, ask for their help, their intercession, um, pray to your guardian angel especially. Again, they chose before the beginning of time to be your guardian angel. So, um, you know. They will help you, and they want nothing more. Their only job that they've been waiting for all eternity to carry out is to get you safely into heaven. There's nothing more that they want. Right. So, you definitely want to keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, You know, there's different little prayers you can say to your guardian angel each day. Um, Let's see... I think it'd be good to talk about some of the ways that angels can sort of interact with us. Sure. We have a few minutes left. Nice. So let me see. So angels can actually act on your mental health, which I think is fascinating because May is the month of mental health. Huh. Okay. And in introduction to the science of mental health by father ripperger there's some a lot of good information but what i think we would focus on is that you know angels have a certain amount of power over matter okay okay and when we talk about what part of our mind or brain is in matter it's going to be the four interior senses which we've hammered on we talked about the five external senses and the four internal which are the common sense power, the memory, the imagination, the cognitive power. And so the imagination is especially... Cogitative power. Cogitative. I do that every time. Mm -hmm. Um, So the imagination is where you can actually ask 
you know, your guardian angel to help you, to help, um, to help sort of guide your imagination in times of temptation or fear or, or what have you. Um, similarly to how, you know, demons can cause people to see things that aren't, aren't real. They can, you know, remind you of past sins that are in your memory. Right. All of that can happen. And so that's where you'd want to keep that in mind. Um, and obviously, I, you know, my big recommendation is to order the book Introduction to the Science of Mental Health and just read, read that whole section because, um, you know, it's great. And here's kind of what Father Perper says. Angels aid us in the opposite fashion by moving the imagination in a way that is conducive to the use of reason. While angels cannot move us to draw conclusions in the possible intellect, they can propose principles under sensible signs, in the imagination, by which we judge and reason, and thereby they can help us to learn and avoid sin as well, and reason well. So, basically it means that they can help you in your judgment. Huh, okay. So that's where you can ask your, your angel, you can ask your guardian angel to help you make good choices. Ask your guardian angel to help you, you know, know what to what to consider when you're making a decision. If you're at a crossroad, you know, ask your guardian angel because they can, they can help, help you get there because they're going to help you get towards reason. Cause obviously right. that's, you know, mental health is about, it is, is very much focused on the ability to make reasonable decisions about reality. And so they can, they can help that process along. Um, just like conversely demons can do that. And, you know, you, you see about that when people become demonically oppressed or possessed or, you know, whatnot, um, they, they're obviously not seeing things as they are. Whereas the angels can help you see things as you are Mm -hmm. in ways that you maybe had missed. So, um, just kind of a neat thing to, to consider. And that's why you don't want to name them. Don't offend them by naming them, people. That way you can't. That way they'll help you when you, when you need them to help guide your imagination. Don't offend them by naming them or drawing them as fat babies. <laughs> yeah, but it it Skinny all makes babies. sense that you should be able to ask them for stuff because that's their. I mean, that's their purpose is to lead you in the right direction. So if it comes to a thing where you need help going in the right direction, ask the, ask the thing that was created for that purpose. They're right. basically they're your Google. They're your Wikipedia. They're the right. they're Zach Mabry Wikipedia where you can go in and you know that no no uh prankster has updated the pages wrong and that you're getting all the good information. So yeah. Better use them. Exactly. And we always kind of talk about how truth, virtue, et cetera, is always in the mean. It's always between the excess and the defect. Right. And essentially what a, where, where demons will try to lead your mind is t- towards excess or defect so that you base judgments and decisions on excess or defect. And that's where the angels can help you to have purity of mind. Right. And so, and I mean, yeah, like we've been saying, they have one job. They love to do it. They are infinitely smarter than we are. They don't know the future, um, but they can. They can certainly help you, and that's because that stuff is all. 
you know, a bodily, it's all in the body. Mm. Great, man. I think that's a... Yeah, so there's there's a good point. For the month of May, for Mental Health Month, angels and demons on your mental health, to sum it all up. That's a, that's a fantastic conclusion. I hope I hope that we did our, our guardian angels and all angels well by this podcast. Yes. Um <laughs> I hope so too. It's a fun topic. I don't mm-hmm. think it I think it gets talked about in sort of a fluffy way quite a bit, so I I'm excited that we got to go through some of the specifics. Mm-hmm. And I mean I'd love to see our curious just blow up with questions about angels and you know, we'll do an angels part two if we get you know, we get some conversation started. Yeah. All right, Zach. Well, uh, good work. And is there anything? Sounds like we have a podcast. Anything you want to leave the people with before I click the stop button? I don't think so. Well, I'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Have a good week. See ya.